Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Happy Monday, Beth. Happy Monday. How's it going? It's good. We are recording for the last time in 2022, guys. I know. our last session. And this will be our last episode dropping, right? In 2022. Yes, it will. not dropping one the week after day after christmas so mm-hmm. man the year flew by oh, i'm gonna miss you so much because <laughs> we won't <laughs> chat at all <laughs> well no but i won't see you oh yeah true that's true that's true anyway oh uh, if you have not got the candle we talked about last episode. Are you even a listener? Because we've gotten so many messages. I texted Christy last night and was like, man, we should get influencer kickbacks. I saw this. you tag them. <laughs> I did. Cause I was like, it's, it, I think I probably have sent, well, I don't even know how many mm. personal text messages, responses to messages on Instagram, responses to comments on Instagram. I've, t- I have tagged it and tagged the link in our stories on Instagram. I'll, ch- I'll just do that for the whole month. I'll just keep doing that because I feel like people keep asking about it. And I will say, if you didn't follow us on our Instagram that week, that the day that Christy and I recorded, I was having a bad day and magically Christy had one of those candles appear on my doorstep because I didn't have my tree and I was sad about it. And she's awesome. And it is legit. It smells really good. It's so even Wes was like, oh, it smells like Christmas in here. Mm-hmm. It's I don't yeah. know what the what magic they put in there, but it's by far the best candle I've ever gotten for Christmas. Yeah. Like that, that tree scent. See, now so, I feel like we're selling it more. We are. Thimes. We are. Call us times. <laughs> times. Thimes. How do you say that? I don't even know. I, would, I mean, I would say times because that's like the spelled the same oh, as the yeah. spice, right? But yes, it was well the same. I don't know. Anyway. Well, um, when we speak to them about a partnership, I'll make sure and ask. Right. Yeah. Ask him. That would be a good question for you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I have a, the craziest story. Well, to me, it's the craziest story. Okay. I've been waiting for this. Okay. The other I day, know it. you were texting me at like, not nonstop, but like there were several texts that I had to like respond to. And it was because I was so busy dealing with this dramatic event in my house that I could not <laughs> respond. Yes. So my littlest had a friend over um, to hang out for, after school for a little bit. And when his mom came to pick him up, I opened the front door to let him out the door. And I was like, bye, see you later. And all of a sudden, Xavier, my middle guy, goes, mom, a bird just flew in the house no and I was like shut up you know because I'm like stop it like he plays silly jokes we have a bird so I was like it's probably phoenix (laughs) like do you have your bird in your hand or whatever he's like I'm serious there's a wild bird in our house (laughs) a wild bird oh my gosh when you open the door it flew in and I have to tell you that after the fact Emery was like oh my gosh it it flew out of that. It was living in the wreath and it flew out of the wreath at him when he came towards the front door one day. And I think another neighbor, when they came by the front door, it like flew out because it got scared. So it's like sitting in that wreath. And so when I opened Uh the door, it just opens in. Yep. So So when it flew out, Oh no. Oh no, ma'am. Did you move? (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I love birds. I don't, I, I mean, I am totally fine with our pet bird. I carry him around. He flies around, whatever. But a, something about one that is living outside, and I'm like, he will attack me. He will peck my eye out or something, like, if I try yeah. to grab him. <laughs> oh you know, God. like. Or poop everywhere. Well, and that's the other thing. Like, I mean, but our bird does that. We just see it all the time because we're like, we have him, you know, so we see right. it happen. Anyway, so <laughs> he's, like, flying around this, like, whole main area and then flies up into the tree. Well, <laughs> here's the, f- okay. We couldn't find him. So I shook the Christmas tree and he flew out and then he flew mm-hmm. up to the tree that's above our front door. So then I'm literally <laughs> throwing toys at that tree <laughs> to try and scare it out. 
finally scares out and flies across to the landing upstairs and then into our bedroom. So I was like, well, I'm closing it in. Shut up right now. Yeah. I was like, I'm closing it in there because at least now I know where it is and I, I won't be running around the house. Xavier and I spent at least 30 minutes trying to catch the thing. It was a hummingbird. So it's oh. fast, super fast because we had a towel and we kept trying to throw it when it was in the corner of the room and it would be like, Shoo! And he was going under the bed, underneath all the furniture. And he just like, he was flying everywhere. <laughs> and Xavier's trying to TikTok it. <laughs> and every now and then I'm just like screaming my head off because it's like flying right at me. <laughs> anyway, it gets, it got to a point where I was like, can we stop worrying about the TikTok and please get this bird out of my bedroom? And we're re- literally ready to like, or trying to leave, walk out the door to go to dinner. And so anyway, finally, we've, Xavier says, why don't we take the screens out of the windows and open up the mm-hmm. windows? Smart idea. Thank you, my genius 12-year-old. <laughs> See what happens I, when you're not on TikTok, kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you think of smart things. So anyway, I mean, it still took a little bit to get him to fly like out the actual window, but he finally mm-hmm. did. And I was like, oh my God. So it was literally so dramatic because- Little guy was like petrified. (laughs) He came in because when I told Xavier to stop TikToking, he pulled Langdon in to film instead. And (laughs) as it flew, Langdon's like, nope, I'm out. And he threw it. He's like, you guys got to film yourself. (laughs) That's when I was like, that's when I was like, all right, we don't need to worry about the TikTok. Let's worry about getting this bird out the door. So anyway, it was (laughs) quite the drama filled night or 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> I am dying. Oh my gosh. But you know what's funny? First of all, I don't mind a hummingbird. Mm-hmm. I think hummingbirds are a little bit better. They mm-hmm. remind me of my grandma. So it's like fine. I don't want one in my bedroom, obviously. But right. also, that happened to you when you lived here. Do you yes. remember when a bird flew in your house when you lived here? Yes. And I panicked and Chris came over next door and she got it out. She like literally went up to it with a towel and just grabbed it. I was, that did not work this time. <laughs> did not work. <laughs> but I remember so. when that happened and hearing the screaming. <laughs> being like, Similar. Are you guys okay, over there. Or you texted, you're like, I need help. And you said, there's a bird in my house. And I was like, uh, anybody else got this? Because <laughs> I stand over here at my house. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming in your house with a bird. Nay, nay. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've got to look it up what it means when birds like want to be in your bubble. Because I feel like that might mean something. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was good. That was worth the wait for sure. So okay. she did text me back. And said, I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to respond to your text, but I have drama and I'm not going to tell you about it until we're in person. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think so. it's intro worthy. <laughs> it definitely was. Oh my gosh. It was really good. So anyway. Well, poor bird. <laughs> yes. Poor bird. Just as right. as you, I'm sure. <sighs> I'm sure he was. He was sitting there like in between, like sitting on the blinds in between at one point and just like looking at me. And I was like, stop <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> Get out. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Excellent. long intro, but if you're not sick of us and you want to crime, if you're ready. Yeah. Well, you get to miss us next week, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I am ready for your crime, though. All right. Well, then here we go. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We got this suggestion from Michelle on Facebook. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Michelle, and thank you for sending this in. It's a little bit of some, somewhat of a confusing case. I don't know. I feel like that's not the right word for it, but I guess you'll understand when I get into it. But anyway, okay, it's sad. Nonetheless, a little bit confusing. Okay. Wendy and Reed Cowell were married in 1984. They had three children, Trevor, Colby, 
and Mackenzie, all essentially like three years apart, basically. Okay. Mackenzie was born on April 1st, 1992. April Fool's baby. Oh, yes. I feel like like if I was like, I had a baby today, people would be like, whatever, April Fool's, right? (laughs) Well, if you were very pregnant, I think they would believe you. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyways, they lived in Wenatchee, Washington. Okay, I've never heard of that. I have not either, and I really hope that I said it correctly because Michelle even said, pronounced. Wenatchee in her. Thank you, Michelle, for doing that because people tell us when we get it wrong and we can't help it sometimes. We can't be locals everywhere. Right, exactly. So, but anyway, it's a small town about 140 miles east of Seattle. So, if you can picture that in your head. Okay. It has a population of about, or it had a population of about 34,000 people in 2019. So, it's actually kind of like the size of my town. Maybe it's a little bit smaller. Okay. Where I live, like, currently. In 2001, Wendy and Reed divorced. And in 2005, Mackenzie moved with her mother and switched school districts from where she was. However, in 2008, she wanted to move back to Wenatchee. And so her dad, Reed, petitioned to change their parenting plan so that she could come back and attend her, like, I think probably part of her junior year and her senior year back in where the school district that she kind of spent almost her whole life. Okay. So, and I'm not entirely sure what occurred in their marriage to cause them to get divorced, but it doesn't appear to be overly friendly between them because I do know that there was a restraining order that was put in place around 2008. It's not entirely clear like who it was for or if it was a mutual thing because they just weren't allowed to visit each other. Both of them, like either one of them, okay, not allowed to see each other. It's not really stated anywhere exactly what happened. So, because I think, honestly, I think that wasn't the important part of the story. Like, it wasn't. It didn't matter at this point. Like, why that happened, and it doesn't matter in this case. So, anyway, so Mackenzie in her junior year comes back to attend Wenatchee High School. She's on the Appalachian dance team. I guess they have like, I don't know, like, I mean, and they're known for like their apple festival or something. They, they do. Oh my gosh. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think think you actually meant apples. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like apple X kind of like rockets, but it's apple. Oh, (laughs) okay. That is cute. Yeah. And they dance in like the parade and whatever every year. So she loves to dance and would also be known to start dancing in like parking lots randomly. Like she'd hear a song or think of a song and be like, we'll just break out and dance. It's always fun. Same Mackenzie. Yeah. You're, I'm like, you break out and dance <laughs> in the kitchen, right? You like to kitchen dance. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. It's one of my favorite things ever. Yes. She is full of life and joy and she is loved by everyone. Mackenzie is a very motivated young lady. And when she's in a, in her senior year in high school, she decided that she wanted to also be in the beauty industry. I'm pretty sure she did a little bit of modeling and whatnot too, and started to attend the Academy of Hair Design in downtown Wenatchee. Okay. In addition to going to school. So she'd go to high school and then in the afternoons, go to this academy. Okay. Very cool. Right. So, I mean, that's to me a pretty motivated senior in high school because I've got a junior and there's zero chance that he's, I could see him doing anything like that. (laughs) No, but can't you see my daughter doing that? Yeah. She wants to do like cosmetology stuff anyway and be a hairstylist. That's her dream job. I could totally see her being motivated and doing that in high school. Right. Like let's finish high school, but I'm going to get a jump on this because. Yeah. Because it can be also. It is. It's what you like. And you can also have a plan to go to college and it's totally something that you can do while going to school. You can cut people's hair on your time off, you know, so that's, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Go, go your daughter. I don't want to say her name. (laughs) (laughs) And Mackenzie. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So her dad said that she would start out her day, like waking up around 615 and then she would leave the house by 715 to get to school. And then she would go straight to the Academy of Hair Design after that. And on top of all of that, she also has a boyfriend of about a year and a half. And I always have trouble saying this name, but Joaquin, 
Okay. Like how it's spelled so differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. Yes. I love the name, but I always like, yeah, when I, look too. At it, I just want to be like Joaquin. <laughs> yes. Joaquin. Joaquin. Okay. Things are very busy, but going well for Mackenzie. On February 9th, 2010, Mackenzie and her dad had made plans to have a father daughter daughter. Why? Okay. Welcome Why? in Long Island. Okay. <laughs> there she father is. daughter <laughs> dinner date that night. She left the house and would come back later to meet her father. Her day typically ended around 5 p.m. and about 5.40, she wasn't home. So Reed was like, okay, well, let me give her a call. Maybe she stopped somewhere on the way home, stopped to see Joe Quinn. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so he calls her just to check in and see what time she'd be home. And the phone went straight to voicemail, which we all know is never a great sign. No. He left her several messages, and at first they were like, hey, where are you? Then the next one maybe was a little bit annoyed. You're ignoring my calls. What's going on? And then it gets to the point where he's like, okay, now I'm worried. I don't think it's just you ignoring my calls anymore. I'm fine. I'm not mad. Please call me. Let me know you're okay. Kind of messages. So around 7.30 p.m., a rancher in, I think it's Shalin County, which is the same county that they're living in, but that's a little bit further away from them, found a car abandoned on his property. So he called the police. And when they came out and found the car, they found the car that was registered to Reed Cowell. Oh, no. So they went to Reed to see if he was missing a car. And he's like, well, I didn't know I was missing a car, but if I am missing a car now, I'm also missing the driver, which is my daughter. She hasn't come home. It's only been a couple hours, but now you're saying her car is there, so... Pretty sure something happened. Oh, what a sinking feeling. I know. I know. And her purse was still in this car, in the car, but in in a couple different places, it re- was reported that her keys, phone, and possibly a debit card were missing from the car, but some items were missing. Her purse was there, but there was obvious signs of something. Some of them were missing. So police started to look into where Mackenzie could be. They find that when she was at the beauty school that day, she asked another person that was there, another student that, you know, do I need to sign out if I'm going to leave and just be gone for about 15 minutes or so? And that one other person remembers her saying something about like, I'm just going out to the parking lot to meet and talk to a couple of people. Like basically, do do I need to sign out for that? So they look at the surveillance videos and they have her leaving the premises, like walking out the door at 3 PM. She walks out the door, back door, walks up, stairs and goes to her car they don't show her meeting anyone like one of the other students thinks she just gets in her car and drives off okay just around that time like right when she was before she drove off she sends a text to joaquin saying hey like just just hey and they kind of like said hey back and forth which apparently wasn't an unusual Thing to just be like, hey, I'm thinking of you. How's it going? Kind of thing for them to do. This is the last time that she has seen or heard from that day. Police do a helicopter search of the area along with friends and family. Well, along with friends and family canvassing the neighborhoods, like nearby neighborhoods for days. Mm-hmm. They never come up with anything. Nobody's seen her. Nobody's heard from her. Nothing. Then on February 13th, just a few days after she goes missing, a body is found in the Columbia River. It was on a bend of the river that's called Crescent Bar, which from what I gather is kind of a known area. Like people, maybe they go out there to like hang out and whatnot. And people were walking in that area and happened to find her. So they report it. The FBI comes out at this point and confirms that it's Mackenzie. And she's about 50 miles from her house. Okay. So they observe just because while while she's laying there, that the cause of death to be strangulation, blunt force trauma to the head. And she also has a pretty deep laceration to her neck, like the jugular. (sighs) And it also appears. Yeah. It also appears that someone tried to saw her arm off after she was dead and the knife was still lodged in her shoulder. Oh my gosh, this poor girl. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awful. Awful. 17. Like she was like two months shy of her 18th birthday. Oh my gosh. Investigators say they never really considered her parents as suspects, but definitely, I mean, they're spoken to, they're questioned. And then they turn their sights on Joaquin because, well, he's mm-hmm. the next closest. They ask him to take a lie detector test, and he is told that he repeatedly fails one specific question when they ask it. And that question is, do you know who killed Mackenzie? And he always says no, but for whatever reason, he fails that one question over and over again. He insists, okay. I don't know who killed her. So I don't know why I'm failing this part, but whatever. So they kind of, oh, and then they start asking him questions like, uh, do you have any gang affiliations? And I think this is brought up because of the um, looks of Joaquin and maybe his nationality. And so they're assuming hmm. you're a small town in Washington. Well, that's gross. It is because I did, there was really no other reason to bring that they asked this question up except to like point out the fact that, okay, so then now they're like making assumptions of this guy and he seems like a very upstanding young man. And he's like, no, I don't mm-hmm. have any gang affiliations. Like, no, this nobody I know would want to kill Mackenzie. Anyway, so her parents also knew him well enough. I mean, she's been with him a year and a half and was like, oh, he loves her. She loves him. Like, I, they're, they really have no reason to think that he would want to harm them. Yeah, and he's a good issues. boy. Right, yeah. I, I think he was also older. I want to say he might have been 21. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's a little bit older, so whatever. Again, no bearing on anything, his age, though. Okay, so then after they, they kind of keep him on the radar, they don't really, like, exclude him, but he is definitely less likely of a suspect. But they still, he's, like, in their peripheral. And then they turn their sights to Joey Fisher, who is Mackenzie's mother's boyfriend because parents are divorced. All right. Apparently, Mackenzie and Joey do not get along. And the day before she went missing, she got into an argument with him and told her mother, basically gave her mother an ultimatum and was like, it's either him or me. Like, he sticks around or me. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And that's the day before she goes missing. So it seems a little However, oh, well, and Joey also, just as a side note, isn't the most, like, upstanding person. Like, I think he's just going to ask, does he have a history here? I'm pretty sure he has a little bit of history. It's not really gone into, but it's, like, basically mentioned, like, I mean, he's not the greatest guy, but he's probably not a murderer. But anyway. Hmm. So they ultimately end up ruling him out because there's zero physical evidence linking him to the crime. So... That's the first time I ever hear that there is any physical evidence aside from like, okay, there's a knife in her shoulder. Right. They don't really mention a whole lot of what was like found near her. Hmm. Do you know if she was sexually assaulted at all? I don't think she was. Okay. But I don't know for sure. But I don't, but I like my, my inclination is no. She was just murdered and left there. Hmm. Okay. So the police over the course of their entire investigation will interview about 800 people however for the next two months the case kind of just goes cold they don't get any new leads and the new ones that they do get don't really go anywhere until liz reed enters the picture which is so weird when there's like names that you know like her dad's yeah because dad's reed Reed, right (laughs) okay yes r e i think he's r e e d and she's like r e i d her last name but okay anyway. okay liz is a straight a college student but she hasn't really made the best choices in her life she's been arrested for selling drugs she's known to doctor shop to kind of get oxycotton from them and anyway so she's she's made some poor choices and has been arrested but she ends up okay. becoming an informant for the police okay so she came to her handlers one day and told them that she knew who, who had killed mckenzie she gave them two oh. names, Sam Cuevas and Emmanuel Buda is his nickname, Saros. Okay. Both were convicted criminals and known drug dealers. She said that Sam told her they abducted her and killed her. He told Liz that they had to choke her twice because after the first time she wasn't dead, so they had to do it again. It was okay. a case of mistaken identity 
because they thought that she was also in the drug world and an informant for the police. So they had to get rid of her. That Wait, was- what? Why would they kill they McKenzie thought- for being an informant? But Liz, they're like, we'll confess to you. Well, I don't think they know Liz is an informant. Like they oh. think Mackenzie is in the drug wor- world and have found it's possible. Maybe they thought like, they heard somebody was an informant and maybe it was actually Liz that they were <laughs> hearing oh, and about they thought but... that it was McKenzie. <gasps> I guess I don't really okay, know. Maybe. There's like no, but for some reason they, that's what she's saying. They think she's an informant. And so they killed her. I had to get rid of her. Okay. So Liz was able to give a description of the knife that they found in her shoulder, which was not information given to the public. Okay. She also says that she was shown a snuff film of the killing. Mm. So the police end up, yeah, the police end up spending a lot of time on this lead and a lot of money. The car that was used by the accused, the two accused to abduct Mackenzie was for sale in April of 2010. And so an undercover police officer ends up buying it. I mean, but on police department money. And so that they can have it and like kind of process it for evidence. And according to Liz, after they bought that car, she was contacted by either Sam or Emmanuel saying, Hey, we think maybe a ring from that girl is in that car. Is there any way you can help us get it back? Like find this guy that bought it and go search it or whatever. Like, I don't really know the details of it, but she said that she was asked to go find this ring that was left behind. So hmm. anyway, she, I don't know if she does go and find it, but anyway, at some point they're like, well, the ring could also be it where we killed her, which is apparently on this remote bluff near the area. So they have her go there. They tell her exactly where to go. They have her go there to look for it. And she does find a ring there partially buried in the dirt and kind of like flattened a little bit. Cause clearly it had been like driven over. A couple times. And so she calls police and is like, hey, these guys told me to come here to find a ring. And I think I found it. You need to come get it. And so the police come Uh and they get this ring and they have a picture of it. And there's definitely, so I watched, I think it's a, was it 48 hours? It was one of those kind of things. 48 hours, I think it was. Um, That they show a picture of this ring and a picture of Mackenzie wearing a ring that looks very similar to it. I mean, clearly it looks a little bit different because it's flattened, but she uh-huh. definitely has a ring. In my opinion, it's the same ring. Okay. So they're like, oh, well, this could be Mackenzie's wonder ring. how did they oh. even know that the ring fell off? Well, see, I don't know. Unless don't know. maybe the dad said she's missing a ring that she always wears. Well, it is known that there was several rings that were missing. Because she just okay, liked jewelry gotcha. and whatever. And so she, there were several rings missing, whether she was wearing them that day or like she had lent them out. I don't know. But there was, it was known that she had several rings missing from her collection. Okay. Gotcha. And so the fact that this one matched a picture that they found on like MySpace or something, like they were like, oh, well, yeah. It really looks like Mackenzie's ring. So, but when they ask like dad, mom, friends, they're all like, we don't recognize that ring. But if she likes jewelry, I feel like it's possible that they don't know every single ring that she owns. No, I don't even know that my husband knows every single ring that I own. Right, right. So for whatever reason, they say they don't recognize it. However, like I said, there is a picture of her wearing one just like it. So clearly she had it. They also have recordings of Liz talking with the two suspects where she mentions having the ring. And they ask her how much she wants for it. But no other, like, really definitive reason why they want it on those recordings. Mm-hmm. One of those suspects was also arrested after this at some point for, it was for drugs. But she's recorded talking to him while he's in jail. And it asks him, were you arrested for killing another girl? So I think she was, like, trying to fish for him to say mm-hmm. something about it. But all he really is is like, no, I was arrested for drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which okay fine but i'm like i don't know if somebody asked me that question i hadn't killed anybody else i'm like what are you talking about no i don't kill didn't kill a girl i was arrested for drugs you know where he was just kind of like right oh, it's drugs <laughs> mm. so kind of weird but okay 
police never find any video. They do search. I, I don't know how they search, but they never find any videos of this killing that she says is out there that she was shown the snuff video. They've never found any. Okay. So, but it all is kind of compelling. Like, how did she know where to go to find this ring? You know, like there mm -hmm. is description of the knife. Right. There's things that make you like, well, this is kind of a plausible thing. But police end up concluding that Liz is not being truthful with them and they just don't trust her. But there's really no, nothing really to go on or they don't really say why. They're just like, she's just lying. We don't trust her. We don't think we can trust her. So we don't. This isn't what happened. So okay. Kind of move on. Hmm. Sometime around this time, not sure exactly when this all fits in, but police also get a letter from another one of their informants. There's a lot of informants here, apparently. Theo Keats. You what? Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Wenatchee. <laughs> Just watching yeah, Wenatchee. <laughs> so Theo is currently in jail and he writes a letter to police saying that he knew who killed Mackenzie because he had a friend who was interested in dead bodies and serial killers. And this person had also tried to choke one of his friends at one time. And so mm -hmm. he gives the name of Christopher Wilson. Okay. okay. So let's talk about Christopher. But he's in jail at this time when he, he's writing this letter. Yes. Theo is in jail. Okay. So which he's makes clearly side eye things. Well, I was going to say, he's clearly still making poor choices and could be. Well, people are, that are in jail that say, I have information about another crime, most of the time have the motive of getting something taken off their sentence or whatever. Right. And that's what I was about to say. Like, he could clearly be angling for something here. Like, okay, like, maybe I can get out mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. give them information. Whereas Liz was not in jail. She's like right. strictly an informant seemingly getting mm -hmm. her life back on track anyway okay right so chris is a 29 year old man who is also attending the academy of hair design so there's okay. a connection at least chris was seen on video surveillance at the academy leaving at the same time mackenzie left like he walked out like just after her walked out the same door and drove away just minutes after her Okay. Some some say Mackenzie was driving in the direction, like we saw Mackenzie driving in the direction of Chris's house, but he only lived a few blocks away from the academy. So it's not entirely out of the question that she would just be driving in that direction to go somewhere when, you know, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a couple blocks away. Right. It's not like, oh, he lives 10 miles in this direction. And so she's going in that direction. I don't know. I, it's just whatever. To me, that's not a huge part of the case. So Chris is described as an artistic musician who is into dark art he has a tattoo of hannibal lecter on his forearm and is obsessed oh. with the show dexter which we all okay i'm kind of obsessed with dexter too but i mean yes i can't i can't be mad at you yeah people thought that he was really weird and could be capable of capable of this but one of his friends on the 48 hours episode that i watched was talking about how she's like i don't really think he's capable of any of this I think people thought he was weird because we live in this small town and he was very eccentric for that small town. So he stood out mm -hmm. big time, mm -hmm. which is entirely possible. Because when you see a picture of a hundred percent, we're, we're diff we're scared of different people. It's just exactly. how we are. It's really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. It truly is. <laughs> so. His friend also says, she's like, ah, and I don't really think he was obsessed with serial killers. Yes, he liked the show Dexter, but I don't think he was obsessed with serial killers. Well, he also had Hannibal Lecter, but also, I don't know. Yeah, like, I was going to say, uh, and also, I liked the show Dexter a lot. I would not mm -hmm. say I was obsessed with that show. I think that's different. Well, yes. I Yeah, I liked it a lot. I like a lot of shows, and I will watch it weekly faithfully. Doesn't yeah. I'm obsessed with them. So. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. It's also stated that he worked in a funeral home at one time. And one of his friends said that he claimed to like to cut people up and to see the blood, which I'm not really sure that you get to just cut people Dead up. People don't bleed. Homes. Well, that no. too. But I don't really think you get to just cut them up. 
like just because you work in a funeral. Oh. <laughs> so I no. feel like people are like throwing things in and stretching this a little bit. But mm. again, I don't have like every single fact that's out there. I have what the newspapers reported on. And so clearly they're going to go for the sensational things that people say. Right. So, okay. Chris's mom will say that the day of the murder, not necessarily at the time that maybe it happened, but the day of the murder, he was out picking up cupcakes with her and he seemed totally fine and was acting no different than he normally did. And she kind of felt like, well, if he just murdered a girl or was planning on murdering a girl, maybe he was acting, he'd act a little weirdly, but who knows? Yeah. People who like to cut up dead bodies and are obsessed with serial killers going cupcake shopping with their mom seems like a bit of a stretch. (laughs) Maybe he wasn't that different after all, guys. (laughs) Right, right. But clearly, he's on their radar. He worked with her. He was seen leaving around the same time. And he's got people saying some... That's it. ...crazy things about him. Well, it doesn't end up being all that they find. So, here's the big kicker. Apparently, there's a piece of duct tape that was found at the scene. That has Mackenzie's blood on it. And this is the physical evidence that isn't really reported until they zone in on Chris. And there's other DNA on it. And so when they test it against Chris's, the results come back that it could be his, but was not inclusive. Why? What year was this? 2010. Oh. I don't know why. Clearly, maybe not enough was on it. To make okay. it, you know, hundred percent full profile. Something... Got it. Right, exactly. So could be his similar profile, but they can't say for sure. It's one hundred percent his. Okay. So they bring him in for questioning. They ask him if he's ever been to Crescent Bar. He's like, no. Police are like, well, your DNA was found on the scene, and he was basically like, well, that's impossible. I've never been there. So they, but they place him under arrest right then and there because they're like, DNA doesn't lie, even though it's mm-hmm. not conclusive. They're like, DNA doesn't lie. You're under arrest for the murder of Mackenzie. And did they test the DNA against the other two suspects that Liz um, brought to the police? Because they're in I custody, say, so their, their stuff is in the system. I will say that I don't know that for a fact, but I'm assuming that they must have. And maybe that's part of the reason why they okay. stopped looking at them. Because around okay. this same time... Chris enters the picture and they can at least somewhat tie Got him, it. you know, like it's more likely it's him since his DNA matches. So I'm assuming that they must have t- tested theirs, but I don't know. Okay. I don't know that. Fair. So he pl- they gets placed under arrest for Mackenzie's murder. And they say that he says with no emotion at all that he just wants a lawyer. Like he has no emotion about being arrested and just asked for a lawyer. But again, we always talk about this, how they say, there's no emotion. You have no idea what you'd be acting like in that case. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying, like, when you talk about emotions in the moment, you're kind of like, I, I don't know, maybe you're in shock. And you just, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. give, me <laughs> give, me, give me a lawyer. Yeah, I'm not going to say freaking anything. I'm going to keep my mouth shut so that I don't go to prison for the rest of my life for saying something stupid and acting hysterically. Right. Yeah, so can't can't fault him for that. So... Police are convinced that he and Mackenzie were friends and that she was heading towards his apartment that day because she was seen going in that direction and that he had just decided that he wanted to kill her. Also, a few, I think there was like three people that had said they saw a a man matching his description walking away from the car, like the walking down the road from the car that Okay. Dumped. After it was abandoned. Okay. Yes. Um, but that's that's it. It, it. Matching his description, they're not like yes, one hundred percent. But yeah, it looks like him. Also, they had noticed that there was only one set of footprints when, like, near that car too. Anyway, Chris insists that the two had never even had a conversation. His mom. It always makes me laugh when the MySpace gets brought up because his mom in one <laughs> of the interviews was like. I don't understand why they think they're connected. They weren't even friends on Facebook or MySpace. So why would they think that they're <laughs> Well, I don't know that. I, I mean, yeah. All right. It's fair. It's fair. It is fair. Except if they were just starting to become friends, they just hadn't gotten to that point where they're like, oh, let's record each other on Facebook. You know, I mean. Mm-hmm. 
just something silly to like throw in there. Like they weren't friends on social yeah. media. So yeah. They weren't friends. <laughs> Everyone's friends with everyone on MySpace. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so they end up searching his apartment, which he doesn't. Well, he did live in it when he was arrested. So, I, but I'm not sure at what point, cause he moved out. Oh gosh. I think he moved out in like June. So he must see, and he was arrested before. So this is all very confusing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, whatever. They go into his apartment. They use luminol. They find blood Mm -hmm. on the carpet in his apartment. Uh Uh-oh. They test it against Mackenzie's, and it comes up a match for Mackenzie. Oh, no, no, no. That's not good at all. Chris says that that spot that they are mentioning is not blood and that it's water that he spilled from a bong. Well, that wouldn't have DNA in it, sir. You are correct. It would not have DNA in it. But I think he's essentially saying it's not, it wasn't blood. You guys planted this like evidence in my, you're convinced it's me. He's like, no, I spilled water from a bong there. Like it's not blood, whatever. But anyway, we'll get, we'll get to it. A friend of his has a video from when Chris moved out of the apartment. And she was, it was like just on her phone and they're walking through and he's asking her like, Hey, does it look clean? Cause he's moving out. And I'm assuming he wants to get his deposit back. Not sure why she's videoing this. Cause I don't know. I didn't, I don't video that kind of stuff, but she's like, uh, you mean clean considering? And then she zooms into the spot on the floor where they had found the, like hmm. they would find the blood months later. And it's kind of okay. like, hmm. So it is kind of, to me, intriguing that that interaction happened. However, could she also be like, well, considering you used to do drugs in here, yeah, I guess it's clean. You know, like not necessarily considering you killed a girl in here. I mean, it could go either way to me. <laughs> At this point. It is coincidental. Yeah. But they do and I don't to- like coincidences in murder. Right. Yes. There is stuff out there. So she was brought up on charges uh, for like impeding this investigation. Is that the word that I'm looking for? doesn't matter. Like she, she caused issues with this investigation and she was brought up on charges. She was never actually charged with it in the end. So there's a little bit of like uh, distrust with this girl, but apparently there was also pictures found of her like laying and pretending to be dead in that spot and that she, then she'll say that she didn't know that's where there was any blood found. Anyway, like there's just like weird stuff surrounding this girl. So I'm, I don't that's know. That's weird. Yeah. And then like she has ex-boyfriends saying that the day that Mackenzie was killed or found or something around the time of her death, she was calling going, something really bad just happened. Please pray for me. So like there's, there is other weird things, but it's very, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not. I mean, that kind of behavior is a whole lot weirder to me than like in Dexter and Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Yes. That, yes. And I think that's where like this kind of stuff that starts tying in is where like Chris gets deeper and deeper into this case. So even though there's no conclusive evidence that it's his DNA, that's on that one piece of duct tape. So anyway, okay. So this is why I'm saying this is kind of like a confusing case for me because there's like little things that like get thrown in on this, from this article and this article. And I'm like, clearly it wasn't big enough for that one to, to talk about it, but this one did. And then, you know, like, anyway, it's just, it's just weird. So Chris is insisting he has had nothing to do with Mackenzie's murder. He's charged and brought to trial eight months after the murder. He hires attorney John Henry Brown. Does that sound familiar to you? No. I mean, it doesn't sound familiar to me, but he was Ted Bundy's lawyer, though. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Enter Enter big-time lawyer. Oh, also for... I somewhat I mean, had it didn't go great moment. for Ted Bundy, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but clearly he's like willing to take on. Well, I mean, I'm sure they had much more evidence on Ted Bundy than they had on Chris. <laughs> so, and he's willing to take on crazy cases. But he also took on the case, which I kind of vaguely remember this, where 
There was a U.S. soldier who, who killed 17 people in Afghan villages. He also defended that guy. So anyway. Wow. Back in the day. All right. So his lawyer is saying that if Mackenzie was stabbed in the jugular, wouldn't there be blood spatter all over that room? Like if that's where, because they're saying she was killed in that apartment. And so if she had, which they said, a very large laceration in the jugular, wouldn't there be more blood, either splatter everywhere or all over that room, that apartment, whatever. Which does yes. make sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not just that small spot. So he's mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. on the train of, I think police officers planted this one little bit of evidence. Like they put that DNA in this spot and that maybe it is still actually a bong water spot and they put this DNA in there. And he's blaming them for doing this because he says you can't trust the Wenatchee police because years ago there was a scandal called the Wenatchee witch hunt and you can't trust them because of that. And I'm just going to go into that just a little bit because it's like tied into this, but it's a huge thing. It was a sex, a child sex abuse scandal. And there was a police officer's daughter who said that she had been sexually abused by a few people in the town and he believed her and he kind of investigated it, which he should never have been a person investigating it, being close to the victim. But he drove Mm -hmm. her around town and asked her to point out all the places that she had been. And so she like literally pointed to like houses and the police officer, like I said, personally investigated and made arrests. And in the end, there were 43 adults arrested, including some with some mental disabilities, 29,726 charges of sex abuse made with 60 kids, all of which, I mean, all of them years within years later would be released and the charges were dropped and exonerated because they were saying it was all, like, not true. So he's like, you can't trust the Wenatchee police because look at them. When they're determined to go after someone, they're going to do it. And they didn't have, like, they were saying that um, the police officer who was the dad, like, did all these interviews and questioned people and got people to actually confess to doing this, most of which were the mentally disabled adults. And so Mm -hmm. hmm, he had no recordings of any of these interviews and took no notes during them. So there was literally nothing evidentiary wise to like actually charge these people, but they did. Hmm. And then she, the daughter ended up recanting all of it later saying it not that it didn't happen. Oh my so gosh. Did it, she get in big trouble? I could not find that, but I didn't dig that much. Cause I was like, I, this hmm. is a whole nother rabbit hole that I could go into that I don't need to right now. Because I was like, whatever happened to her? If she recanted everything and said it was all a lie, yeah. she should be in trouble. I mean, I think she was young. I mean, but. And it's very hard not to believe people when they say something like this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You want to believe them and you want to help them. And so, yeah. Anyway, because of this giant scandal that happened in this town, this is why the, um, Lawyer is saying, we can't trust the police. I wouldn't doubt that they planted that because they zeroed in on him. They wanted it to be him. Whatever. So this is their defense, essentially. So when they went to trial, the defense won several pre-trial motions, including things like, we're not bringing up his prior employment. They don't need to know that you worked in a funeral home. They don't need to know you have a Hannibal Lecter tattoo. Like all of these things were just kind of like, come on. Who cares about that stuff? It doesn't have anything to do with the murder. They weren't allowed to say any of it. The DA decides after that, okay, we're going to offer a plea because they're kind of like, well, we have a decent case, but we don't, we cannot, first, we don't have conclusive DNA. Two, Mm -hmm. we can't prove that Chris was in that apartment at the time that Mackenzie's, like at the same time as Mackenzie, when that blood was Mm -hmm. put in there. (laughs) And no motive. Right. Yeah, exactly. No motive, except to say that he's a weirdo and mm-hmm. like st- stood out and he's into dark art, and whatever, you know, like there, there really wasn't a whole lot. So they offer him a plea deal of manslaughter and offer six and a half years in jail. Chris's attorney was kind of like, I don't think, like, whatever, I don't care. I would tell any one of my clients who is innocent, 
take that because if we go to trial, they have enough that maybe you'd get convicted and you'd get more than that. Like that's, he's like, that's an amazing plea deal. Like you should take it. Chris is like, no, I'm not doing it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to admit to something that I didn't do. So no. So he turns the plea deal down. So Liz Reed is also kind of back in the picture at this point because she, okay. So by the way, sorry, side note, forgot to tell you this. She had eventually recanted all of her statements that she had made about Sam and um, Emmanuel killing. But she says that she was pressured into recanting it because the police wanted, like were set on Chris. And so they were like, you're not telling the truth. You're lying, whatever. And she felt like she had to recant it because she was afraid the police would retaliate against her if she kept going down that path and maybe like arrest her again. And so she felt she was fearing the police at this point. So she said, okay, none of it's true. I lied about it. But man, this is confusing. I know. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even... (laughs) Who do we believe? Like the girl, is she telling the truth? Is she not telling the truth? Did the police force her not to not tell the truth? Like what's going on? Exactly. Well, she comes like to the defense of Chris. Cause she's like, all right, I made all these statements back in the day and I knew I recanted them, but it was the truth. I was telling the truth. This is who I believe did it. They told me they did it. I saw a video. Like she's going back and saying all the same things. So she's going to like testify for the defense that she did all this back in the day. Right. Long ago, but when it all happened. So just before trial was to start, the defense surveyed like a pool of jurors and it came back that 80 to 85% of them thought Chris was guilty. So they're like, this doesn't look good for us. Okay. His his attorney, his parents, friends, everyone was like, he's not going to get a fair trial here. Yeah. So take the plea deal. Yeah. Let's. Is the plea deal still on the table? Well, the plea deal was that same plea deal was not on the table, but they did offer him another one. And this time he needed to plead guilty and provide a written statement that he kidnapped saying, I kidnapped Mackenzie and I caused her death and he would get 14 years. So he goes to the court. The judge reads the plea deal and, and his statement and then asks Chris, are those things that you did? And he hesitates for a second and then says, yes. And he's sentenced to 14 years. Less than a year later, he enters a motion to withdraw his plea because he said hmm. he didn't understand what he was saying. And when he and when he signed it, he didn't understand it. But the judge denies this motion, saying there's no evidence that you didn't understand. Like, you can't prove that you were saying you're everything. Like, no, sorry, I can't, can't push that through. So Chris remained in jail. His family has fought to try and get justice for him. Clearly we want justice for Mackenzie and he's actually eligible for release now in August of 2023, which is just around the corner. Really? But he's still that in this stuff. That's right. Actually. Yeah. That's this year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But he still insists that he's innocent and his family and friends believe he's innocent, but he was, he was, he took a plea deal. But he says that he only did it because he was just nervous about what would happen if he went to trial, which I mean, I guess I would be too. So I, so when I told you before we even started recording this, like, I'm like, I hope that I did this. Okay. Cause I'm like, I really don't know what to know, what to believe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he did it. I don't know if the two drug dealers did it. They were actually on one of them was on the 2020 being interviewed. One of the drug dealers that was excuse, accused. And he's like, I did not kill this girl. Like, and he's like, I don't know if he's a drug dealer anymore, but they were like showing him fishing by the lake with his son. <laughs> like, let's paint this drug dealer in a great light now. <laughs> but anyway, so I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know who killed her. I don't know how if you have did an Liz know about that knife? And how did she know about that ring? To me, those two things have more weight than inconclusive DNA. Well, the blood stain. If that's a blood stain, now I'm not. Don't know. I don't know. Did they put? Did they put it there? I don't know. There's, there's. Okay, Chris or the drug dealers. There's things that make me believe either it's entirely possible it was either one of them. I don't have a motive for Chris doing it. 
Um, and really the DA didn't have a motive because if once they couldn't enter the um, information into the court that he worked for a funeral home and liked to cut up bodies, like they couldn't say that. So that, that was probably pretty much his motive on their end. So he didn't mm-hmm. have a motive to me, but I don't know the other guy's DNA. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so well, sorry. and her <laughs> DNA is in his apartment, which is really weird. It is if it wasn't planted, but that's you such know, like, a stretch. I know it's a stretch. I do know it's a stretch. A hundred percent agree with you. And I, probably I, I clearly one mistake at a police department doesn't mean that the police department is going to be bad forever. But, and after going I, through a crazy scandal, you would think the police department would be like, we're not going to plant evidence. Right. And that's what they kind of say. And like the 48 hours, like we don't, we're not doing that. We don't do that. Like, yes, that happened. We know it happened. But. And I know there's corrupt police departments. I sure as heck know that. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's what happened. And you know, what's sad is this has now turned into this like sensational scandal about the police department and informants and all this kind of stuff. And poor McKinsey was brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. Yep. And no 100%. one really knows why. Mm-mm. Yeah, no reason. There's no reason. I think it is possible to the point where the police were talking about how she got, if her throat was cut in that apartment, it would be a lot more blood. She also had blunt force trauma to her head and strangulation. So it is possible that she was hit in the head and bled a little bit and was strangled and then taken somewhere else. And that injury to her throat was happened. Right. Possibly where she was dumped, but there wasn't that much blood there either. Right. I don't know. Also, by the way, I totally forgot to mention this, but the, um, when the defense attorney was saying that, like, wouldn't there be blood all over his apartment? They were saying the DA or whatever, Basically brought up the whole Dexter thing. Well, he probably had plastic laying down. Oh, good Lord. Everywhere. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is why Dexter was mentioned. So that they could say, oh, well, he probably had plastic like Dexter used to do. Please. Then why would that one blood stain be there? If he had plastic all over his apartment, he just cut a hole in one spot. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that makes zero sense whatsoever. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Wow. I don't know what to say. All I know is that poor McKenzie deserved a lot better and her family certainly deserves answers, better, better answers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Have they spoken publicly about what they believe? Do they think it was Chris and that the right person was sent to prison or? um, I mean, I feel like they feel that way just because of, he was arrested and taken to trial. I don't know if deep down they do. Cause I re- remember reading or seeing maybe it's, I don't remember where I saw it, but the, her dad, when she, he first saw him in court, he was like, that's who killed Mackenzie. Like he kind of was like taken back. Like, really? She couldn't have fought him off. Cause he's kind of this like skinny tall guy or what? Like, I felt like when he made that statement that first he was kind of like, I don't, I don't know if that, if he could have been the one. But hmm. then he's brought to trial and he gets a plea deal and whatever. And so you're just kind of like, I guess it is, you know, they're like, you just kind of resign to wow. I I know who did it. That's awful. Yeah. I would want to like, know, like, yes, this is the murderer. Right. Rot. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So, what an interesting so I'm sorry. Case. <laughs> I know it is very interesting. I, I, I found it interesting, but I was also kind of like, but I'm so confused. I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so many different people entered like informant a informant B uh, this guy, let's say these guys did it. So I don't know. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Well, rest in peace, Mackenzie. It's awful to say. But I don't know if we'll ever know more because he thinks that someone has been tried and convicted and he's serving his time. And once Mm -hmm. he's done with that, it is what it is. So 
not sure what kind of a push it would take. Yeah, police are not looking into this anymore. No, they, of course not. They had their guy. I yeah. think they did their job. Interesting. Wow. Well, thanks for doing that research. That was a really interesting case. Sometimes, you know what? This is real life, true crime. And it they're not always wrapped up in little bows to give you for mm -hmm. Christmas. Yep. <laughs> it's not always mm -hmm. open shut. So, yeah. Um, happy Christmas to those of you who celebrate Christmas or any other holiday that you're celebrating this season. We are not going to be here next week for an episode. Right. We'll talk about that more. So um, hang in there with us. We do have some fun things coming for you in the new year, but we are taking a little bit of a break next week to spend some time with our families and travel and do some things like that. So uh, we do have a Patreon. So if you like what you hear, there's a lot of episodes over there that you're welcome to binge. Um, probably talk about some of our favorite episodes from 2022 that you guys can go back and listen to if you haven't already. Come find us on social media because we do post a lot of stuff over there. We post questions, things that you can get to know us and we can get to know you. Uh, we love seeing pictures from you guys uh, in our merch or just pictures of you listening to us. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. people send those all the time and we absolutely love them. So come find us and reach out there. Click subscribe so that you won't ever miss an episode. If you like what you hear, we'd love a rating and review. And always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.